If you have your Bibles this morning, let's open the Word of God to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Great to see visitors and guests and friends with us today. And uh, we're glad you're here. I hope you get around to meeting everyone here. And I, I know we brought a guest this morning. Our son Jonathan's with us. So if you haven't had a chance to meet him, uh, you'll be able to do that maybe after the service. He's been threatening to come, so today he made good on it, right? And so that was good. We, we're excited, glad to have him with us. Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 40, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. About 10 or 12 verses there. First we'll have prayer and begin reading there in verse 40. So once you've found your place, if you would stand with us for the reading of God's word. And then we'll have prayer and begin reading. All right, let's pray together. Father, how we love you this morning and how we thank you for the privilege to come and worship and to do so freely. Lord, America, with all of its problems and flaws, with all of our sins, Lord, that we humbly confess before you. Lord, we recognize it's still the greatest nation on this planet, that you've given us freedoms, Lord, that we enjoy and even take for granted on occasion. We do thank you for the freedom to worship and fellowship together, and we Take opportunity to do that this morning. Lord, giving you first place in our week, and we're here with hungry hearts. We come just asking you to help us. Lord, that you would teach us, that you would speak to us through your word, that you'd show us what you'd have us do. Lord, you make our lives complete, and you help us to, to know the path we're to walk. And so we ask for that kind of light and guidance through your word this morning. We pray you'd speak to every heart. Show us what you'd have us do. In light of this Christmas season and all that it means to us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, verse 40, Luke chapter 2, the Bible says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days... As they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This morning I want to preach a message that I've entitled simply, Out of Touch with Jesus out of touch with Jesus. Actually, the feast of the Passover occurred in what would be the spring for Israel, and this was a very busy time for them. 
But by way of comparison, if you put their culture next to ours, this was the highlight of their, of their year and their experience. And it would be a busy time, very much like what we're experiencing right now at this time we call Christmas. Now, we know historically Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. We have no idea when he was born. So we agree to celebrate it on this day. And there are many things that we do to honor him and to reflect the glory of God and and the meaning of Jesus coming, his birth, death, burial, and resurrection, and and what all of that uh, uh, lends and gives to mankind. To us, this is a happy time of year. It's a time when we lift up the Lord. It's a time when we tell others about Jesus and salvation that's available, freely given because of what Jesus paid on the cross for us. It's a glorious time. And if you're enjoying all of the symbolisms and the gifts and the things that go along with this time of year, then you know as you participate in those festivities how busy also it can get, much like no doubt what Mary and Joseph were experiencing as they prepared and then as they traveled to Jerusalem for Passover and then came back. Actually, I would say for them it was probably a much harder experience because we see them walking and not, not driving or riding to their destination. But the Bible says during all of this, they lost touch with Jesus. They got out of touch with him. Think about that. You know, in the Christian life, this is an, this is an area that, that we talk about. This is probably more of a discipleship message, but it's something that we want to uh, educate and encourage every Christian about this matter of getting out of touch with Jesus. Because it happens. Not only does it happen, but we recognize as Christians, anybody that's been saved any length of time knows that during this time of the Christian life, when you get out of touch with Jesus, there is a potential for bad things to happen. There's a potential for you not only to just lose contact, but get off course and go astray. There is a vulnerability that, that the devil has, that, he, that, that we have to his attack, that he can come in with his fiery darts and really cause havoc in your Christian life. And when that occurs, we even have a name for that. We call it backsliding. Wow. I didn't use backsliding in my title because obviously they didn't. But, you know, there's some parallels that could be made. Getting out of touch with Jesus. You know, there's some things that we assume to be true about our relationship with the Lord that really are not true. And that's what I want to talk about this morning so that we can help one another and we can encourage one another not to lose touch during this busy time. They became out of touch with Jesus. Let's talk about that a little bit. Here we find the the family. Now, this would have been the immediate family and the extended family. Now, they don't use those words. In the Bible, they just refer to that whole group as the company in verse 44. And we find that they're all traveling together just as they did in those days and in that culture. And the reason for that was that there would be, there would be robbers on the road. And if you remember the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, that's what happened to him when he was traveling alone. He was vulnerable to the thieves who would, who would hide along the way and try to take what, what uh, goodies and, and valuables you may be carrying. 
So often to avert that, many people would travel in groups or, or companies like this. They would caravan together to discourage those thieves from, from trying to attack. And they would obviously be outnumbered unless, unless they saw the group coming and had enough in their company to, to overcome such a group, which was probably rare in those days. And so we find that they traveled together for safety and uh, to help one another along in their way. The Bible tells us early in these verses that it was their custom to go to Jerusalem every year. Verse 41 says every year at the Feast of the Passover. So, so these were things they were familiar with doing and they were set at every time. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus was 12 years old, now that means that they had been going through this routine every year for the last 12 years at least. Think about that. So they had a routine set. They had a, they had a path. They had a procedure, right? They had their company. They had, they had their place. And, and then what happened? Well, after 12 years, what we would notice is that something happened that we think normally wouldn't happen. And what is that? Well, think about it this way. They lost touch with Jesus in their regular routine. Now, why is that important? It's important for us to understand that because, you know, normally we would think, well, hey, I'm okay as long as I'm going to church. But we learned from their experience, and I'm here to remind you this morning, that you can get out of touch with Jesus in your personal life while you're going to church. Just because you're sitting on a church pew on Sunday doesn't mean you're walking with God throughout the week. Just because you show up to hear a, a message in church once a week or two times a week or three times. We currently don't have three services, but even if we did, hey, you can get out of touch with Jesus in the middle of all that. This became a reality to me when I went to Bible college. Because surely the one place you think nobody would be out of touch with Jesus, that's the place where they're teaching you to do service for Jesus, right? Bible college. Bible college was a place that's busier than Christmas all the time. I mean, between working and going to school and trying to do ministry, I mean, you've got something going at every shift. First shift, second shift, third shift, we're busy all the time. And after a while, that wears on you. And things begin to happen that we don't even realize are happening. And, and this is what causes us to be able to get out of touch with Jesus right in the middle of our routine. Right? You know, it is a, it's a safety net to have habits established in the Christian life. It's a safety net to be at church every time the doors are open, to be faithful in your attendance, to listen to the, to the preaching of God's word and, and listen with your heart, right? Ready to receive what God has for you. It's a safety net. Against what? Well, partially against this, against getting away from the Lord, getting out of touch with him. You know, busyness can cause that where we kind of show up, but we don't actually clock in. That not only happens at church, but guess what? That can happen in your devotions. You can read through the Bible and check the box, but never actually clock in, never actually get anything and not come away with any application for your life or anything to help you at all. 
Now look, that's okay if that happens on a day here and on a day there. But when you string several days together, when weeks go by, months go by, and, and you're doing that regularly, guess what? Right in the middle of that routine, you can become disconnected and get out of touch with Jesus. Your devotional life can lose its spice and lose its touch. Your, your church life and your church attendance can be affected because you can lose contact with the Lord. Stop hearing from him. And then you just kind of leave the way you came. And it happens so subtly that we don't even realize that it's happening. Now, we would think, hey, if I'm, if I'm doing my routine, if I'm in my place, then certainly I'm safe from that. But oh, no. They lost him right in the middle of their routine. They had been doing this for 12 years, every year, same thing, same routine. They knew what to do, where to go, where to be, all of that. And this year, they lost him. They got out of contact. I'm not talking about losing your salvation this morning. You can't ever lose that because you don't have it. The Bible tells us in the book of Peter that we are kept by the power of God, not by our power. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that. It's not me holding on to him, but it's him holding on to me. <laughs> Amen. So I don't have to worry about me being strong enough to keep that because I'm not. If salvation depended on that, I'd, I, look, I might as well just stayed home. But salvation doesn't depend on my strength. It all hinges on his strength and his promises and, and his forgiveness which is eternal. I'm so glad about that. We're not talking about losing salvation. We're talking about losing fellowship, losing contact. We're talking about losing meaning, losing the personal application of it all. And, and, and when, when we skate too long on that ground, that's what causes people to get out of church. That's what causes people to make bad decisions. That's what causes people to not be able to navigate through life and, and do things God's way just getting disconnected with the Lord. And it can happen in your regular routine. But not only that, guess what? You can get out of touch with Jesus in a familiar place. Now we think in familiar sound, surroundings, you know, places that I know well, uh, you know, that corner of my bedroom where I meet the Lord every day, or, or this, this place on, on the church pew where I worship God, certainly not there. Oh yeah, it can happen there. It can happen in a familiar place. When they traveled this year, they didn't go to some strange destination they had never been. They went to the same town they'd been going for the last 12 years. They went to Jerusalem. They went to the temple. They all knew where to be. And by now, Jesus is old enough to navigate himself. He's old enough to know if he's in the right place or the wrong place. He's old enough to know if he's with the right people or not. He's old enough to be aware that his family has left, right? They lost him in familiar surroundings. Notice in verse 41, the Bible says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, they returned. The child Jesus tarried behind. They got disconnected. It happened in a familiar place. You know, often we think we're protected because we're in church. But if we're not careful, if we're not 
here's a word we don't normally use in church. We, we use it in the business world and other places, but if we're not engaged. The idea of being engaged means what I referred to earlier as showing up but not clocking in. Engaged means that not only did you show up, but you did clock in and you're participating. Right? It was good to hear that singing earlier a moment ago. You know, when we sing along with the song leader and following the words, we're engaged when we do that. I like it when we stand together and read the scriptures and sometimes we may do a responsive reading where we ask you to read a verse. That's when you're engaged. And if you're not reading out loud, you're following along every word. You're engaged. And you know, in the Christian life, engagement is required. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Now, unfortunately, a lot of what we do at church requires some spectation. You're sitting there watching, listening, learning. Now, if we compared this to sports, I would say this is not the game. This is not the play. You know what this is? Our meeting, Sunday worship, you know what this is? This is the huddle. And when the final amen is given, we say break, and we go out to the line, and we're, now we're ready to carry out the play. That's what, ha- that's what should happen every time we leave those doors. We should be engaged, ready to carry out now what we've learned. Engagement is what keeps us thriving in the Christian life. It's what helps us grow. It's what maintains that connection that we have with Jesus. You know, that song says, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Well, you know what? If, we're not, if, if we lose touch with the Lord and, and if we get away from him, then, then that little talk doesn't do anything. As a matter of fact, we can have a long talk and feel like our prayer didn't get past the ceiling. What's that all about? It's about being out of touch sometimes. And we want to guard against that because when we're out of touch, we're vulnerable. And it could lead to things like being backslidden. It could lead to things like making bad decisions. And that's dangerous ground. Every Christian has to beware of this condition of being out of touch with Jesus because it can happen in the middle of your regular routine. And it can happen in a very familiar place that you feel comfortable in. But think about it. There's a lot to this. I want you to see here that they lost touch with Jesus. And, and one, of the, one of the biggest things that contributed to that. Now, now, by the way, I could stop and interject this, and I think I will. They got disconnected with Jesus in a big crowd. You know, a minute ago I said they traveled, there were safety in numbers. They're traveling in a large group, and, and we often think that way. And especially when it comes to church, we kind of think the bigger the crowd, the more successful the ministry, right? Boy, God's sure doing something over there because there's a bunch of people over there. And we just automatically assume that if it's large, it must be successful and it must be safe and all of these great things. But guess what? Right in the middle of all that safety, they got disconnected. And it could happen to you as well. What really caused them to lose contact with Jesus? Well, I believe it was this. Look at verse 44. 
Let's back up to verse 43. And when they had fulfilled the days, they returned. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, watch this, supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey. So here they are traveling a day's journey away from Jerusalem. The whole time he wasn't there, but they supposed that he was. They assumed. Oh, he must be with. Well, he must be with. And they just put different people's names in those blanks. And they'd go a little further and they would check with them. Hey, is Jesus with you? No, no, he's not with you. Okay, well, they would go to the next one. Well, he must be with them. And they would check with them. Oh, no, he's not with us. And as they made their way through the company and kept hearing, no, 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 he's not with us. At some point they realize, oh, no, we've done it. Have you ever done it? Are you a, are you a bad parent? Have you ever left a kid somewhere? <laughs> right? No, it's not possible. And I'm telling you, I don't know if it's a guy thing or what. It's possible. It happens, all right? So here they are, and they realize we've left Jesus in Jerusalem. What in the world? We've got to go back. So the Bible says they've gone a day's journey now, and, and, and the Bible says now they go back, and they're seeking him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. Verse 45 says they found him not. They turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. It says in verse 46, and it came to pass that after three days, three days seeking him. Now, if you're a parent, you already know what I'm thinking. You know the torment of those three days. Now, I want you to do a little math right here. They went without him for one day. But it took them three days to find him. Somebody said one time about the road back. They said it's further back than you think it is. That doesn't mean you can't get back. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go back. But just be prepared. It just is. It just is harder to get back than it was to get away. Does that make sense? I mean, you just seem to lose touch so easy when it happens. But then that making that reconnection seems so hard. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because reconnecting is essential. And notice that Mary and Joseph gave every effort to getting back in touch with Jesus. Sure, they, they lost him, supposing, but guess what? They found him seeking. And you know what? If you read your Bible very carefully, you're going to understand something about the Christian life that anyone who finds him, everyone who gets connected with him, has to connect seeking him. Nobody finds Jesus by accident. Nobody just falls out of the bed and they're a great Christian. It doesn't work like that. The Christian life is like an uphill journey. It takes great effort, focus, and attention to details. 
You, you don't just accidentally become a good Christian. It takes great dedication and commitment to follow Jesus because everything that he teaches us in the spiritual life goes against the grain of what we know in our physical life to be true. Because the flesh and the spirit go opposite of one another. They strive against one another so that if you live in the flesh, you cannot please God. And we have to seek him. Hey, let me tell you something. Mary and Joseph were seeking him with a yearning that, that is unmatched. And if you're a parent, you understand that. Or if you're not a parent, the closest thing to that is when you lose your car keys and it's time to go to work. Oh, no, right? You know, the way you search for those car keys. I'm talking about tearing the cushions off the couch, flipping it over. Hey, we're, we're, we're going to leave no piece of furniture unturned until we find those keys, right? Right? Hey, look, that's how we're supposed to seek Jesus in our personal lives. That's the kind of effort, that's the kind of yearning that we should put into knowing the Lord and being close to him. You know what the Bible says? Those that seek me early shall find me. God gives a promise out to those kind of people. God is looking for those who are looking for him. Hey, they found him, though. That was good news, wasn't it? They did find him. Whew. But how did they do it? Let's talk about that for a moment. Maybe you've been away from the Lord before. Maybe you feel kind of like disconnected today. What do you do? How do you get back? Well, I want you to see they went back on their regular routine. What did they do? They, they do what anyone does when you lose something. They, they began to, to retrace all of the steps and everywhere they had gone. That's why it took three days. They went back to every place they were with Jesus until they found him in the temple. Hey, what do you do when you get out of sorts in your Christian life? What do you do when you, when, when you get out of touch with Jesus? You get back in your routine. You retrace your steps. You start going to church again. You start reading your Bible again. You start your prayer life all over. Amen? You've got to repeat those things. If you go to the book of Revelation and it talks about having revival, he says, I have somewhat against you because you left your first love. What did he say? He said, go back and do the first works. That's how you get it back. But watch this. Just like them, you have to repeat the steps longer than it took you to get out of sync in order for the feeling of a company to return. Look, in the story, they went a day's journey without Jesus, but then it took them three days to find him, right? In the Christian life, it's often like that. People get out of church, and you may have been out a year. Guess what? It's going to feel like three years before you feel again like you're back. Don't follow your feelings. Follow your faith. The Bible tells us how to get back. Keep doing those first works. Keep doing the simple things. Get back in the routine and stay with it. Whether you feel like you've arrived or not. And eventually, eventually, the feelings will follow. Oh, listen. They came back. How did they find him? By getting back on their Regular routine. How did they find him? Number two, they went back to that familiar place. You know, sometimes the, the way to get back on track is to go back where you got off at. 
or at least go back to the thing where you got off at and get back on, right? They went back to a familiar place. They retraced their steps. And when they, when they came into the temple, they found him there. Why? Because that's where they lost him. They were seeking and they were sorrowing. It's because they were supposing. There's one thing you can't do very much of in the Christian life and get away with it, and that is suppose. Every great Christian has had this experience. For example, if you go back to the book of Judges and read the life of Samson, Samson got out of touch with the Lord. He got away from God's purpose for his life. And the Bible says he woke up one day in the lap of Delilah, and the Bible says he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. So here you find, here's a Kodak moment, Samson supposing just like they did and found himself out of touch with the Lord. Oh, you could go back to the life of Paul and Moses and, and the greats, Peter, and you, you'll see glimpses in their life too when they got away from the Lord. Hey, it's not just you and it's not just me. The great people of the Bible experienced this as well. This is one of the great teachings of, of the Christian life. It's a discipleship message. Beware! You can get out of touch with Jesus. You can become disconnected. It could happen to you if you assume and suppose all the time. Be careful. You know what? They lost him supposing, but they found him yearning. Yearning. Hey, they spent three days yearning. They spent three days searching, seeking, yearning, wanting him back. Hey, guess what? You, you, may, not, you may not find him if you're not wanting him. There's got to be something in here that longs for his presence, that aches over his absence. There's got to be a yearning. That, that seeking the Lord is not just physically going through the motions. We call that monotony. And I know church can get monotonous sometimes. Bible reading can get monotonous. Prayer, anything we do regularly can get monotonous when the yearning's not there. Physically, because of the routine we're going through, we, we say we're seeking him, but are we seeking him? Are we really? If there's no yearning from within to find him? We not only should look in the right place, but we should long to find him in that place. It makes all the difference in the world. It's like when we come to church and we're just here. There's nothing in our hearts that's yearning, saying, hey, what, what's in this sermon for me? When we come to church and, and we don't sit there with the belief that God is going to speak through the preacher today because God knows what I need. He may not. So somewhere in this message, God is going to speak to me through his words. And I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's that yearning I'm talking about. When you're at home reading, reading the Bible, you're not just checking boxes on a plan saying, I did been there, done that. No, you're at home reading the Bible and on every page, you just, you're just trying to find him there. 
And we can read through books like Esther where God's not mentioned at all, but oh my, how you see his presence on every page. Because we're yearning, we're watching, we're seeking, and we're finding him there. We see his handiwork all around. Hey, that's the way the Christian life ought to be. If you want to prevent losing him, you have to reverence him by putting him first in your life. And especially this Christmas. You have to reflect on the symbols of Christmas. Look around and see what these things mean. And use them to the advantage of worshiping God and telling others about him. And then, of course, just lift up his name. To prevent getting out of touch with the Lord, talk about him. Tell people what he means to you. Lift up his name this Christmas. You know, you can see Jesus in everything that goes on this time of year, especially in people. People are the most generous, giving, loving, caring this time of year than they are all year long. What is that? I believe it has something to do with Emmanuel, the the God with us part. Because you know what? That stuff's contagious, isn't it? It surely rubs off. Now, for us, we ought to have Christmas all year because this is the way it ought to be every day for the Christian. But for the world around us, this is the best opportunity for us to show a Kodak moment of this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. This is how he loves you. I remember when Paul was preaching to the heathen and talking about all their idols, you know. They were so superstitious. They actually had an extra altar to the unknown God, you know, like in case we missed one. And Paul went up to him one day and said, hey, you see this? This is who I want to tell you about this God, the one you don't know about, the unknown God. His name is Jesus. And he began to preach the gospel to them. Hey, look, that's, that's how we ought to be. That's how evangelistic we ought to be during this Christmas season. Talking about the sights and sounds of Christmas and what they remind us of, what they really mean to us. Share that with others who don't know the Lord. They'll be intrigued. Look, obviously, we don't want to push the gospel down anybody's throat. But we need to at least extend it out so they have an opportunity to sample and see God's goodness. Amen? So never fail to make the offer to make the presentation. It's always buffet. The Lord said, whosoever will. They come through, they come by, they witness and observe. Listen, they can take it or they can leave it. But it needs to always be there for them to see and make their choice. That's what Christmas is all about. Hey, this Christmas, guess what? The next couple of weeks are going to be a little busy. There's going to be family get-togethers and office parties and Christmas plays and church banquets and all kinds of things. But look, during all the busyness, don't get disconnected from Jesus. Don't lose sight of what it's all about. Don't let your heart just kick into neutral and float through all this. Stay engaged. Keep it meaningful. Stop and have some time along the way to talk to the Lord and And thank him. Thank him for coming. For coming to this old sinful world. Can you imagine? He traded heaven for this. And he came down here 
with one purpose in mind, to bleed and die on an old rugged cross. Why did he do that? For us, so that you and I could have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life in heaven. And listen to me. You may think you're a good person, but I'm telling you, you're nowhere near good enough to get to heaven without Jesus and what he did on the cross. That's why he did it. Because there was no other way for us to be saved. Look, if, if we could have just come to church and, and learned a few rules and lived out a few life principles, if we could have just changed a few bad habits, then don't you think he would have given us that list? That's not the way it works. And by the way, let me show you, let me show you why. What if God did give us a list and he said, look, you just do these things and you'll go to heaven and everything will be good. Okay? What if number one on the list was something real easy, like, like go to church every Sunday? Hey, go to church every Sunday? Whew, you're good. <clears throat> um, wait a minute. I, I got a question. Anybody ever missed a Sunday? Man, I know I have. Ooh. Well, that leaves you out. Next. Hey, what, what about people who are handicapped or disabled and couldn't come? That would leave them out too, right? Uh, what, what about people that are maybe a little slow or whatever and didn't, didn't get the memo? You see how easy it would be? We, we would never, look, I don't care what's on the list. It doesn't matter what it is or how simple you think. We would never measure up to the list. God gave Israel Ten Commandments. They couldn't keep them. God gave Adam and Eve one commandment, just one. Don't eat of that tree. They couldn't keep it. What makes you think we could? People who think they're good enough are the ones who don't know what the Bible says. They just have never seen themselves the way God sees them. Now, God not only saw how sinful we are, how incapable we are, but God also saw value in us. He saw how valuable we are to him. And he said, it's worth it to send Jesus to die on the cross so that they can be with me one day. Isn't that what he told the disciples? He said, I'm going to prepare a place and he said, if I go prepare a place, he said, I'm going to come again so that where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, listen, that's why God created us in the first place. God created mankind to be with him. The fellowship, the longing, the relationship, the personal time, the communion. That's what God wanted all down through the, through the corridors of time. That's why he started this whole thing. And look, God knew in advance that we were going to go astray, and he still created us because he said it's worth it. I want to be with them. Hey, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're not sure that one day you're going to be with him, hey, I want you to know you're in the right place. We'd be glad today to take a Bible and show you how you could know that for sure. Because God wants it more than you do. He gave us a for sure salvation. 
and we would gladly show you how to get it. If you're here today and you already know you're saved and you are a Christian, then I want to encourage you today to make sure, keep the meaning of the holidays alive as you go through it. Don't just check boxes. Okay, we bought the gifts, we went to the parties, we did all this. Oh, now it's over. No, but, in, but enjoy the moments and, and bring out the meaning and celebrate Christ and all that we have in him while we're doing it. Stay connected. Because he is what makes our life and all these events meaningful. Isn't that right? So let's keep in touch with Jesus. There's a little chorus that used to say, keep in touch with Jesus, he'll keep you sweet. Right? Keep in touch with Jesus, though the path be dim. Let no cloud nor shadow sever you from him. Joy or sorrow greet you, friend or foe you meet. Keep in touch with Jesus. He will keep you sweet. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, that presence that we can sense and know in our personal lives. Lord, there's nothing like it. Lord, we treasure you in our hearts today, just like the scripture writers of old. Lord, you're to be desired more than gold. Lord, how precious you are to us. And we know that we're precious to you, Lord. That's why you gave your son on Calvary to die, that people might be saved who, who don't know the Lord. Lord, we ask your presence and purpose be fulfilled in this place. We pray you'd speak to our hearts and show us what you'd have us do today. And most importantly, Lord, walk with us through these days, through these events, and help us not to get out of touch as we celebrate this Christmas season. Because, Lord, you just mean too much for us to go through this, this time of year empty. And we'll thank you and praise you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name.